Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson. And we are on to week 13, fi- wrapping up the regular season for fantasy. How you feeling, Carson? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. And yeah, I guess it is coming near the end for a lot of people uh, in standard league formats. And we did our game predictions for week 12. We didn't do our full-on analysis of matchup previews, uh, kind of in honor of the Thanksgiving week. So just enjoyed the games. And uh, currently, Blake has 105 correct, 75 incorrect, and I have 109 correct, 71 incorrect. So... I feel like you're you are narrowing the gap between us, but it's kind of consistently stayed around that kind of like four or five deficit range. Yeah, it's been it's been a uh, a struggle all season long to kind of catch up. We've been uh, pacing each other quite well. Yeah. Uh, last week we both went ten and six on predictions, wow, although good. with four different games, uh, different. Interesting. That. Uh, that kind of resulted that way. Uh, for week 13, we do have two teams on a bye uh, before six teams on a bye next week, and uh-huh. that is the 4-8 and eight Carolina Panthers and the 4-8 and eight Arizona Cardinals. Who would have thought those two teams would have the same record? Yeah, that is surprising. I, you know, I always advocate for the Cardinals shouldn't be an underdog early on in the season, but they <laughs> haven't really proved themselves against that. Um, and, yeah, the Panthers got to win against the Broncos. We don't need to talk about it. Let's move on, and I'll let you take over and start with Thursday Night Football. Yeah, Thursday Night Football, big divisional matchup here as the Buffalo Bills travel to Foxborough, taking on the New England Patriots. Um, And let's go ahead and start with the Bills here. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are lineup locks. They're no-brainer starters. Don't get cute. Um, Moving on to the running backs, Devin Singletary. Uh, He's touched on dependent flex in a bad matchup. Uh, I would avoid him if possible. New England ranks second against running backs. That is tough. Yeah, so Um, that means uh, this offense already likes to pass, so that's kind of enticing them to do such. So, yeah, I I wouldn't rely on Devin Singletary if I didn't have to. Yeah, agreed there. Uh, Moving on. I got a bit of a question here for you because I know this is these are going to be two players that you're really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah McKenzie was second on the team in targets on Thursday night or Thursday uh, afternoon, I should say. Uh, t- Ten targets, only behind Stephon Diggs with 15. He had six catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. Gabe Davis caught only four of his five targets for 38 yards last week. Is this news or noise in terms of the next best pass catcher past Diggs? I think it's a little bit of noise. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie has tried to like kind of poke his head through as being fantasy relevant. I'm just looking at his game log for the season. In week three, uh, his highest reception target total besides this game was nine targets, seven receptions, and a touchdown in week three. And then he proceeded to have uh, six targets, then seems to be injured and out, five targets, one target, three target, four target, one target, and then ten. So I would say it's noise. I, Despite that, though, you know, I'm not the biggest Gabe Davis fan. I think he is inconsistent and Mm -hmm. touchdown dependent, which is kind of surprising for being the... uh, what should be the apparent number two option in a high octane passing offense so yeah i would still probably prefer davis over mckenzie i think he is more has a more legit hold in the offense but they're kind of both touchdown dependent and Diggs is just doing everything else in this offense uh, receiving wise so yeah that's kind of what what i was leaning towards as well um gabe davis i think just has the stronger pedigree for the season in general and like you said with mckenzie only having one target the week prior to this one uh it's that's kind of a red flag for me so 
Yeah, still ranking Davis ahead of McKenzie, but I think both of them are can be risky. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's move on to the Patriots now. Uh, and the big man on campus is Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, he is the only lineup lock on New England, and it's a similarly tough matchup. Um, although 23 targets and 18 receptions over his past three games keep Stevenson firmly in your lineup. Uh, don't I mean, there's really no reason to, to pull him out. He's RB8 on the season, so he's doing exceptionally well for where you drafted him. Uh, Damian Harris, on top of that, has been ruled out for Week 13 with his thigh issue, uh, so that opens up the door for Stevenson even more. Less, uh, less time to split with a... Uh, fellow running back there. Uh, And then let's talk about the pass catchers briefly. Jacoby Myers uh, did miss a little bit of time in this game, did eventually come back with a shoulder issue. Uh, He's really the only pass catcher I would consider flexing. Uh, He is currently expected to play this week. Um, And then in the off chance that Myers is inactive, Aguilar and Devontae Parker both remain boomer bust flex options because like it's more than likely that one of them will do well, but it's like almost impossible to estimate which one it's going to be. Yeah, it is very difficult to predict which one it will be. You would think that there would be kind of a de facto number two behind Myers whenever he is injured, because this is, I don't believe this, no, this is not the first game he's been inactive in, inactive in this season. And yet it is kind of a shot in, in the dark about who will pick up the slack and be that boom play. So I agree with you. It is very boomer bust for Eager, Aguilar, and Parker. And I do think it's funny, just because we were talking about Isaiah McKenzie and kind of could he sneak into your lineup somehow? I think it's just funny that Ramondre Stevenson's consistently getting more targets than him, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and pick this game. I think I know where you're going. I'm not, No, I'm going to go Patriots. Wow. I think that okay. the Bills scraped out a win in Detroit on Thanksgiving. and That's true. I, I just think that the Panthers... Uh, the Panthers. The Patriots are coming off of what? What are they coming off of? Oh, a loss to the Vikings, but it was a high score. A disappointing, one. yeah, a disappointing loss to to Minnesota. I would say. I think they're going to continue um, that was to one make of the games. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that was one of the games that we picked differently. Yeah. And at one point, it was looking really good uh, that New England was going to pull it out, and uh, just just couldn't quite couldn't quite get it done. Yeah, I think the Patriots are going to continue to. Uh, mi- make this division really interesting by maybe winning this one yeah i i absolutely love your optimism and <laughs> i think i'm gonna take this opportunity to maybe pick a game up on you Dang it. um <laughs> although i would be thrilled i'd be thrilled if the patriots pulled this one out yeah. i am a patriots fan yeah um but i think this is one where i hedge my bets here a little bit and uh go with yeah the any favorite. news on von miller though i know that they he's at least one bills def- defensive player that might be injured yeah, no, he's out indefinitely, yeah. um, I believe, with an MCL strain, although don't quote me on that. Yeah. Uh, but I believe that is the ailment that he's yeah. suffering from. It should be interesting. In in Foxborough for this one, too. I know. That's that's another part of it, but I think just, you know, I, I, hope, I hope I'm wrong, yeah. honestly. It's probably too good of an opportunity <laughs> to be pass fun. up on you picking differently than me. It really is, yeah. <laughs> I was expecting you to take bills all the way, yeah. so... Uh, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Pittsburgh Steelers at Atlanta Falcons. Uh, let's talk about Najee Harris. He left the game prior to halftime on Monday Night Football with an abdominal 
injury and was ruled out shortly after the third quarter started monitor his status um he's kind of come on as of late you know found the end zone a few times and that really helps his uh his fantasy assets but if he is inactive benny snell appears to be the preferred replacement uh jalen warren who has shown flashes at times this season uh he continues to recover from a hamstring injury that kept him out of practice all last week so benny snell looked pretty good in monday night football um, and of course, if Jalen Warren is active for this, it kind of complicates things. Um, but it's, it's a good matchup overall. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I'll ask you. I want to ask you, are, would you be looking to start either of those replacements? I guess Snell, in a reality where there's no Warren, is probably the most enticing. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because the the two teams that are on a bye, like James Conner and then Deontay Foreman, Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you're hurting honestly, that bad. But yeah, but yeah, I don't know if you're hurting hurting that bad to be looking for a backup in Pittsburgh, sure. who you know in general is kind of a low scoring offense. Um, but you know, uh, starting running backs are hard to come by in yeah, week thirteen for sure in the season. So if you can find yourself rostering one of those, you may see the upside in playing one. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I stand on that. And then onto the pass catchers here, George Pickens and Deontay Johnson both scored around 10 fantasy points in week 12. Pickens is definitely the higher upside play, um, you know, contesting catches and uh, just making acrobatic plays. Uh, he's got three total touchdowns on the season, one of those being a rushing touchdown. Um, and then Deontay Johnson remains a low-end flex, which has just been unfortunate. We've yeah. kind of discussed it all season long. Um, there is a favorable, very favorable stretch of games upcoming for uh, these pass catchers that hopefully may allow for increased fantasy production. Uh, and then, But the real issue here is that pass catchers in general have limited upside in this offense with Kenny Pickett. He continues to develop uh, in, as a rookie. 20 completions last week resulted in just 174 passing yards last week. Yeah, that that's rough. And a win too against the Colts, which I think we both picked the Colts to win that one. Do you Yeah, we picked that one wrong. Do yep. you expect maybe Kenny to let it fly with Najee being out? <laughs> if he can. Well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the challenge is like I think that Atlanta likes to control the game through the ground. And yeah. so there may be there may be you know fewer possessions in general in this game if that's the case mm-hmm. um so i don't know we just really haven't seen it from kenny pickett yet yeah um, we, he's, in terms of really putting up he's big done more numbers than through 30 completions twice but he threw for 52 and 44 attempts in each of those so and only well and, and, less, and not only night. the completions because right because obviously ppr does value completions but we're talking too about yardage totals here yeah. like he hasn't eclipsed 250 except three times this year yeah. so in uh what looks like eight games played so yeah, not that's great. not a great ratio Mm-mm. yeah yeah i think that's fair then yeah um on the other side of this matchup very short very sweet uh there are no lineup locks on atlanta cordero patterson is a touchdown dependent flex um it was good to see him get a little bit more involved in the passing game uh did grab i want to say three of five targets so that's a little bit good but like those numbers are not what we were expecting when we drafted him earlier this season for sure yeah um this is a close game a tough call to say the least yeah um i think i'm gonna go falcons though just with no nausea and maybe having to rely on Pickett. i think could be difficult for the fal whereas the falcons can just 
kind of do their thing, which is really boring for fantasy, but it gets them some wins, <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah, I think, you know, I've been picking with the Falcons a lot lately, I feel like. Um, and I don't necessarily want to throw away my potential Bills win, so I'm going to join you on this one. Um, it, we're, we're running out of weeks for me to catch up with yeah. you, so i got to pick and choose where I go. And real quick, Kyle Pitts out for the season? Yeah, he has been officially declared out for the rest of the year. Um, That was, you know, sort of expected. Their their season's not really seemingly going anywhere despite being in contention in the AFC South, um, but or the NFC South. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those things that you know. Hopefully next year he's back and better, and they learn how to use him in the off season. Yeah, for sure. He can be dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Denver Broncos at the Baltimore Ravens. And you wrote the notes for these, so I'll let you take over here for a sec. Are you sure? I don't. I don't. No, you did. I didn't write. No, these. you did. I promise you. I promise really? you did. Okay. Yes. Well, the Broncos. I did write this after the release of Melvin. Go- I already picked the Ravens. Just by the way, like the record show, I'm not picking the Denver Donkeys anymore. <laughs> after the release of Melvin Gordon. Latavius Murray played 82% of snaps and rushed for 92 yards on 13 carries. I mean, that sounds pretty good. So how do you value Latavius Murray going forward? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Um, Touchdown dependent flex, for sure. Um, And you're hitching your wagon to the worst offense in the NFL. Um, So the touchdown upside is... It's hard to come by. Um... So I think he is, you know, a touchdown dependent flex at best, um, and that's that's kind of where I'm leaning with him. I'm I, I have him rostered on my on my team. He is not making it, and we have two flexes in that league. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's unfair. Touchdown dependent for sure, because I don't really think he had many, if any, receptions. So you are relying on him getting a lot of rushing yards, and that's difficult in this offense uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. In the absence of Jerry Judy, <laughs> Cortland Sutton had six receptions for 75 yards. That's three straight double-digit fantasy scores for him, although they are pretty low double-digit. But is he worth making your starting lineup? I, I, I would I would say it's at least a low one flex. I, I, would as, I would as well. I would agree with that. Um, double digits is pretty much what you're banking on when you're picking flexes. Yeah. Um, there aren't many teams on a bye this week, so you may have better options, but... I can certainly see an argument being made for Sutton making your lineup. I think the real concern is uh, if Jerry Judy plays, you just, you you can get very, it's a wide range of outcomes with Cortland Sutton, as we've seen this year uh, with Jerry Judy on the field. There have been weeks where he has boomed and there have been weeks where he's completely disappeared. And so it becomes a little riskier if Judy plays. So monitor that situation just still so confused on how Russell Wilson in this offense is so bad. Uh, uh, moving on to Ravens. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's not bum the people out too much. Gus Edwards returned from injury playing 50% of snaps and rushed for 52 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries, so pretty productive day for him. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins is waiting in the wing. He's expected to return to practice this week. So, I mean, that hurts Edwards value standalone value if Dobbins returns and we'll see what Dobbins can do if he's healthy I picked him up off the waivers because like why not but we'll see what happens Lamar Jackson completed six passes to wide receivers 
Um, thought that was a fun fact. And eight passes to two tight ends, Mark Andrews and Josh Oliver. Isaiah Likely was inactive, because you might have expected him to be the other tight end that got receptions. And this allowed for Josh Oliver to surprisingly lead the team in receiving yards and catch a touchdown. So, uh, even though Lamar has had some kind of underwhelming performances, I would still say he's a lock. And outside of him, yeah. and I guess probably Mark Andrews, yeah, is that debatable? I'll just ask, which Ravens players are you interested in starting? Are you asking if it's debatable if Andrews is a lock? Yeah, I would say that's no. not debatable. He is a lock. Right, he he is a lock. Yes, agreed. And um, outside the phrasing of, was a little weird. Outside of him and Lamar, are you starting anyone on the Ravens? Uh, <laughs> I mean, not voluntarily. Yeah, I would say. it seems like no. Um, yeah, no, correct. There is a there are two players. It's the quarterback. It's the tight end and the running back if you're feeling lucky um although you know denver uh, claims to have a good defense no they do have a good uh, defense there's no claim (laughs) i'll have some positivity of the broncos right now i saw some stat that if they scored night if they averaged like 19 points on offense nfl points they would be like where where are we right now like 10 and 2 bowl winners they'd be like 10 and 1 9 and 2 something ridiculous 19-point average on offense is not that high. Their defense is not the one to blame. This is like Zach Wilson saying he doesn't let he didn't let the defense down. We sit we saw where that got him. We're both picking the Ravens. Yeah. Moving on to Packers yeah. and Bears. Yeah, that's, that's, yep, and I'll take back over here. Uh, Aaron Jones is a lineup lock. No arguing that. He's been great lately over the past month or so. Um, A.J. Dillon scored 17.8 fantasy points on 11 touches last week. Uh, Very reminiscent of his week one performance. Coincidentally, the only other game where he found the end zone this season. Uh, It's a favorable matchup for these running backs, but Dillon is extremely touchdown dependent, as we've seen. Uh, Flex at your own risk. I personally would not. You picked him up in our league (laughs) uh, this week um, after I had been rostering him all season long. Uh, so what are your intentions with him? I'm not starting him this week. We'll see what happens. I mean, I dropped Alan Robinson week when he's on by. Yeah, maybe I dropped Alan Robinson. Who's out <laughs> for the rest of the season. We'll talk about that fun offense later. And Romeo Dobbs yeah. to pick up JK Dobbins and AJ Dillon. So I uh, just mm-hmm. gave me some running back depth on players that should have the potential, but haven't done it. So like maybe, I mean, they were both six, yeah. sixth round picks in our drafts. So that was kind right. of funny. Yeah, well, I think... to my bench. Well, sure, I mean, but we've seen how they performed this for year, sure. so it kind of makes sense. Um, and I think you also just, you know, looking for a little bit of depth after that uh, ETN scare. Yes. That we'll talk about later. Yes. Um, moving on to this team as well. Aaron Rodgers left last week's game with a rib issue. He does expect to play this week. That is per the Pat McAfee show, so you can count that. Uh, Jordan Love showed signs of utility to the point where I wouldn't downgrade any of the pass catchers if he was named the starter, uh, but it looks like Rodgers is going to play. He's trending in that direction. He's also uh, Christian dealing, Watson sorry, let me just add with Aaron okay. Rodgers. He's also like playing through a broken thumb, I've heard. Is that true? Have you heard that too? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. so that's interesting. Yeah. So maybe that makes Jordan Love more reliable, potentially. I don't know. That might be bold to say that. but Yeah, I think if Rodgers, I think if Rodgers has a pulse, they're going to continue to start yeah. him. Uh, they're paying him too much, and he's just done too much for the franchise for them to bench him, I feel like, yeah, at this point. I agree. Uh, 
So moving on to the pass catchers, Christian Watson found the end zone for the third consecutive game on four of six targets for 110 yards. This breakout production has occurred in Dobbs' absence, and he did miss practice all last week. Um, I'll ask you, does the potential return of Romeo Dobbs create any sense of hesitancy around starting Watson at Chicago this week? Not really. Uh, Dobbs wasn't this touchdown monster while he was healthy. Let's. I mean, he got three in the nine. He got injured in the ninth game, and so three. So he was on a pretty good pace, but not mm-hmm. Christian Watson's pace. So, no, certainly not. I didn't feel like rostering. He's gotten three him in one game before. <laughs> I, I didn't feel like rostering him anymore. Um, yeah, Dobbs. So that, yeah. that's enough of my analysis. I want to share a, a funny tweet that I saw. Um, it, okay. it was talking about like Lynn Sanity, right? And so it was like the Christian Watson right. version of that as he emerged is just called Christianity. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought that good. was kind of funny. But yeah, I, I yeah. guess Christian Watson's emerged to be. Uh, you're about to talk about Alan Lazard. It has been equally. Yeah. Not, and it, it's been equally baffling how he hasn't done anything in the absence of Dobbs or any other wide receiver that you would think would be of value. And it's just all going to Watson. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm going to get to that, too. So Lazard played 100% of the snaps last week and yet matched season yeah. lows in both receptions and targets. Two catches, three targets, um, three consecutive weeks of scoring wide receiver 36 or worse. Um, and trust me, those worse than 36 are really bad. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from this, honestly, is that Watson and Lazard are both touchdown-dependent flex options. Um, Watson has been getting it done lately. I don't know if that's... I mean, it certainly can't sustain at the pace that he's on, no. um, which is uh, two touchdowns a game. But <laughs> Lazard... <laughs> right, which is crazy to think. Yeah. Um, but Lazard, when he has found success in fantasy this season, it has been uh, resulting from a touchdown most often. So uh, these guys are both touchdown-dependent flexes, and it's kind of risky to play either one i feel even though watson has just been lighting the world on fire i didn't realize that i knew that watson had a big body presence that made him a red zone threat he's six five but alan lazard yeah. is also yeah. six five i didn't realize that yes yep they got the twin towers over there uh, yeah i guess so watson is averaging yeah like you said two receiving touchdowns a game on four receptions a game i mean that's that's more efficient than gabe davis yeah. <laughs> yeah i know you love pointing that out i do um <laughs> okay well let's move on to the bears on the other side of this game uh before we pick so justin fields uh was ruled out last week with a shoulder issue um he has a chance to return this week monitor his status i think practice participation is going to be very important to watch as a limited Justin Fields is much less fantasy viable uh, than when he is fully healthy because, you know, like I talked about last week, if he is dealing with that shoulder issue, he's not going to want to be taking unnecessary hits uh, that often come from, you know, being a runner. And so that's going to limit his upside because in general, we've seen Chicago struggle to put up big passing numbers as an offense. So, uh, anything to add, to add to that? Yeah, I mean, when he boomed, what was it, two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row, uh, even more, mm-hmm. Justin Fields I'm talking about, it was not because he learned how to pass, not even close. It's because he had two games oh. with over 100 rushing yards and at least one rushing touchdown for five straight games. So 
That's yeah. not entirely fair. That's not entirely fair. I would say just because he was putting up touchdowns, he had yes, he seven was. touchdowns that in true. that three passing touchdowns in that three game stretch. But he's still so. his season high in passing yardage is still two hundred and eight. That's a season <laughs> high. So yeah, yes, you're right. High. He became more efficient yes. finding the end zone, but it's not like this yeah. offense really changed. He was just becoming more efficient. Yeah, and and for him in general, I think it's it's that's what you need to focus on is yeah. is he putting a full practice in this week or is he limited coming into Sunday and that that's the concern of whether you should start him or not. Um, moving on, David Montgomery is a borderline lineup lock while Khalil Herbert remains on IR. Um, he's been performing well, and Chase Claypool should see an uptick in targets. You know, remember him when he got traded there? Yeah. Uh, following the season-ending injury suffered by Darnell Mooney. Unfortunate to see that. Um, but, like I've been saying, Chicago is the run-heaviest offense in the league. All pass catchers have limited upside in general. Very similar to Atlanta or, you know, other teams that we've talked about, like uh, uh, Pittsburgh. So... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a tough spot for any pass catcher there. We saw Byron Pringle find the end zone last week. Um, I wouldn't necessarily consider him a fantasy asset moving forward, mm-hmm. um, but that's kind of what we're dealing with there. Uh, same thing goes for Cole Komet in terms of what I said with Claypool. I think his targets will go up a little bit with Mooney gone. Uh, he saw six targets in Week 12, and, you know, that's that's pretty respectable among tight ends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pick the Packers. <laughs> they... Yeah, I'm going to join you on that. I think that I, I think we probably I think there's a very realistic chance with Chicago being three and nine going into this game that they give uh, Justin Fields one more week and then rest through the bye and then he's healthy the rest of the way. That's kind of my uh, my armchair physician's yeah. approach on this. I can't believe the Packers are four and eight. Do you do you not see reality? I know they're paying Rodgers a ton, but just to let him because uh, they probably aren't playing for anything either. I don't know. I don't know what the mindset would be on. It's different because he's old. So you're not really risking a long-term, well, yeah. ca- long-term career at this point like you would be with Fields by doing anything too soon. So I guess it's probably a different no, mindset. And, and, yeah, and Minnesota has a clear hold on that division yeah. uh, being 9-2. and two, So uh, they really aren't. I mean, I guess they could potentially be in the hunt as – um, as a wild card at, at some point, but it seems very unlikely. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, and that is the Jaguars at the Lions. This is another close game uh, by spread, yeah. one point between them. Uh, Travis Etienne avoided significant injury to his surgically repaired foot that kept him out all of last season, so that was good to see. Um, initial reports suggest ETN will not miss additional time. Monitor his status. Jamichael Hasty should be rostered as the primary handcuff. I noticed you hadn't picked him up, mm-hmm. but he performed pretty well. 12 carries for 28 yards, as well as 5 catches for 67 and a touchdown. Should I go do that right Moving now? On or... to the pa- <laughs> <laughs> uh, something I will Moving say, though, before you move okay, on to the yeah. pass catchers, I, I've mm-hmm. read that ETN was even cleared to return in that game, but they didn't want to risk it. Yeah, and that's why he was never officially ruled out, yeah. like you said. Um, but I think it was probably the right decision, oh, considering sure. it was that same foot. I'm just saying I have more confidence um, in him playing this week, hearing that. No, absolutely. I think it's more of a it's more of a you know a handcuff, an insurance policy, yeah. if anything. Yeah. Um, so anyway, 
Zay Jones had a huge performance, catching 11 of 14 targets for 145 yards and the game-winning two-point conversion. I got that call right. That was really exciting. Um, (laughs) Taking down the Ravens. And uh, back-to-back games with at least eight catches and 10-plus targets. Um, Is Zay Jones a lock at flex? Yeah. Uh, we've seen him do it early in the season, and I'm I'm more inclined to believe with that sort of a stat line that it's legit rather than, you know, Isaiah McKenzie had good uh, games early in the season, but I don't mm-hmm. think his stat line's as legit. So that's the difference there. So I would say that, yeah, I think Zay Jones could make your lineup and you can feel somewhat good about it because he's done it with reliable stats. I mean, that that's that's wide receiver one. That's a wide receiver one stat line. That's a Stefan Diggs stat line. Yeah, most definitely. So, that's the um, difference. No, I agree with you on that. Um, and then for Christian Kirk, he's the wide receiver 10 on the season. He obviously did not have a great game last week, but better days are ahead. Um, he's a must-start given the matchup. Um, I don't think there's any arguing that. I will not argue it. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown is the only lineup lock on Detroit. Uh, Jamal Williams has at least one rushing touchdown in four of his last five games. Uh, that makes him a flex plus option, uh, meaning he's kind of like a borderline RB2, uh, especially in deeper leagues. But it's a good matchup against Jacksonville. I think that, I mean, with with those kind of stats, what's to say that he doesn't score another rushing touchdown? You know, that's just yeah. kind of how they're using him. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Swift has been held back by the coaching staff, playing less than 35% of the snaps in four consecutive weeks. Uh, makes it very frustrating for fantasy managers who roster him. He did see eight targets in Week 12 against Buffalo. That was with an extra you know, quarter of football with that game going into overtime. Um, but Swift has been a low-end fringe RB2 despite low-volume usage. Um, I would say he's a flex-at-your-own-risk kind of play. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, on, on Swift? That is, that's just so weird to be talking about that but that is true he's not getting the usage and jamal williams is taking all of the rushing touchdowns so yeah i don't think that's unfair analysis yeah all right well, let's pick this game where are you going i think i'm going jaguars i do want to ask you real quick though do you know of anything any news of daryl henderson uh potentially taking that role from jamichael hasty if etn was to be out you know, I would really, I would really doubt it, considering how poorly he was performing in LA. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm picking the Lions, by the way, in this one. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think Daryl Henderson is probably going to be. He may be active this week. He was not uh, active last week, but he may be involved a little bit. But I would still expect Jamichael Hasty. He seems to be. Uh, in terms of how he was being used to be a sufficient uh, replacement for that offense. Yeah, I would say Henderson being there probably hurts hasty standalone value for this game if ETN was out more than it hurts ETN's value if he's just healthy and back to normal. That's kind of oh yeah, no, I'm not really worried about about Daryl Henderson uh, doing much of anything yeah. in this. I wasn't offense. very happy That's, to see you know. that him join them though. If I'm being honest, I was just like, why? Just let ETN. <laughs> I think I think they still will, but still, I didn't like reading that headline. Yeah. So yeah, I picked the Jaguars. No, yeah. picking the Lions. Mm-hmm. All right, on to the next one, um, and that is the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. Wow, here we go. 
Yeah, schedule makers, am I right? Yeah. So uh, the return of Deshaun Watson is here playing his former team. Uh, I do expect a little bit of rest, although I read a report in uh, recently saying that historically when players come back, specifically quarterbacks, uh, when they return from extended periods of, uh, you know, inactivity, we'll call it, mm-hmm. they've generally performed well season long. So... While the very first game may be a little rusty, it's a fantastic matchup. Yeah. Uh, Houston is just a a very bad team in general. Yeah. I mean, they have one win coming into this week. So uh, poetic justice would be them winning this game, but uh, I don't expect oh, it. Um, it's been over seven... <laughs> Pick them then, please. It's no. been over 700 days since Deshaun Watson played, um, but he is coming back. And, and w- I'll ask you this. What scenario are you starting Watson um, this week? If you are feeling risky and you need a win to get into the playoffs and your current quarterback does not have a high ceiling, I would throw Watson in there. But I think it's risky. Okay, so let's let's go back. Let's look back to all the way back to our uh, our quarterback ranking video in the preseason, and I ranked Deshaun Watson as a bye week fill in just because I knew that he was going to be missing a lot of games. Otherwise, I would consider him a QB one. Yeah. And for that reason, I think if you have Kyler Murray and you picked up Deshaun Watson, preparing for this uh, this yeah uh, debut performance yeah, that's I think a that's a great example. opportunity that's for a that example. Um, yeah, I think if you've been rostering Tom Brady, I think if you've been rostering uh, Aaron Rodgers, that Deshaun Watson is a likely upgrade. So I think that there, <clears throat> excuse me, I think there there are opportunities in a one quarterback uh, ten team league where you can find yourself starting Deshaun Watson, and it was it's probably the right move. So uh, that's kind of where I feel about that. Yeah, I read something while we were recording that, and I have Lamar Jackson, and then I picked up Deshaun Watson, so that's my situation. So I read something while we were recording that Lamar Jackson left practice early. Um, So maybe Deshaun Watson will force my hand, not the best wording for him, and become my starting quarterback. (laughs) That was good. Thanks. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the lineup locks for sure starters, and that's Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper on this team. Uh, David Njoku returns tight end one production after struggling in week 11, so I think he is a option to start at tight end. You know, you can't get too picky with tight ends um, no. if you don't have one of the best. So uh, Njoku, can cert- you can certainly do worse than David Njoku. Um, and then I'll ask you this, Carson. After five consecutive double-digit scoring games for Donovan Peoples-Jones, he finished last week as wide receiver 85. Uh, Does the return of Deshaun Watson make you more or less inclined to trust DPJ at flex? You would think more, but I want to see what this offense looks like with Watson behind center because I honestly think that Cooper and Njoku could be his top two pass catchers, and I don't know how much that really leaves for a DPJ. Okay, I think I think I'm gonna say if you've been using Peoples Jones as your flex, you probably don't have better options. Yes, and that's fair. while he has been performing well over the last month or so, um, 
I think that if you're still in a position where DPJ is your best flex option, I think you can start him. Um, yeah. Because, you know, he's a talented player. We've seen it from him. Um, let's move on to the Texans now. Damian Pierce has struggled over the past two weeks, scoring a combined 8.3 fantasy points. That is bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland has been notoriously bad, speaking of, at defending against running backs this season, and Pierce should still at least be a lock at flex this week uh, with only two teams on by. Anything to add there? No, I think that's fair. He, he had been doing so well for a long stretch of games to now, in a, what you're saying is a good matchup, to bench him. Mm-hmm. you think the Cleveland defense would be better against running backs if they're practicing against Nick Chubb all week, but maybe he just batters them up. No, they're they're demoralized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They don't. <laughs> they can't stop him, so they just don't even try against yeah. anyone else. That's funny. Um, Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins remain low-end flex options. On a Houston team that generally struggles to move the ball through the air, uh, Kyle Allen was certainly no relief for this team um, in place of Davis Mills last week, so not really an upgrade there. Um, I'm going to throw out a a sleeper option at tight end here, and that's Jordan Akins. He put up 15.1 fantasy points uh, last week, mostly in garbage time, but they all count the same. Um, He's finished as a tight end one, meaning inside the top 10 of that position. Um, in two of his last three games, 11 targets over the past three weeks, uh, but 10 catches. That speaks to high efficiency usage. Mm. You like to see that. Um, so you've got a question further down the road about uh, who's better than Foster Moreau, and I'm going to throw Jordan Akins in there. Wow. All right. That's that's interesting. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but I don't think that's unfair. I think you have some affinity to Texans tight ends. I remember for a good stretch of time for DFS. we were <laughs> Yeah, Brevin Jordan, Jordan and DFS. Yeah, and I think That's Jordan right. Atkins might have honestly been there at the same time, but it's just been kind of inconsistent yeah, that on might which be true. one uh, is more valuable for fantasy. Definitely. Yeah, I am going to pick the Browns, even though it'd be quite serendipitous oh, for the Texans to beat Deshaun on. Watson. Yeah, I'm going to join you. They're seven-point favorites on the road. It's uh, I'm not quite sure Houston's hit their stride. Yeah, I, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Jets at the Vikings. Mike White, Mike White, Mike, Mike White. White. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Uh, 22 completions, 28 attempts, 315 yards, three touchdowns. Can Mike White do it again at Minnesota, who just allowed Mac Jones to throw for 382 yards and two touchdowns on Thanksgiving night? Sure. He's done well in his previous... This is not the first time he's been efficient. No, and I'm going to go into that right here. So we've seen Magic Mike perform well in the past. Is Last that actually season. the nickname? Or is that what you're coining? I just no, I, well, I mean, you know, the the, uh, the <laughs> Channing Tatum movie, right? Yeah, no, I know. But, like, do people actually call him that? Like, NFL analysts? It's going to catch on. Yeah, it's going it, to catch it might, on. It might, it might. <laughs> so anyway, uh, last season against Cincinnati in Week 8, White went for 37 of 45, 405 passing yards and three touchdowns. He also threw two interceptions. Don't want to don't wanna gas him up too much. Yeah. Um, and then following that performance, just in case he was fully gassed, we're going to empty his tank here. Uh, just two weeks later against Buffalo, he had four interceptions, zero touchdowns in that game. Uh, so he feels like a risky starter in one QB leagues uh, with just two teams on by. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he's risky. I, I do. I agree with that. But he has 
proven to have that ceiling. So just another player, if you're shooting for the ceiling, maybe add Mike White. Uh, I know I know we're going to go on to talk about the Vikings, but I just saw like uh, an, a tweet, I think, after last Sunday of when Mike White did this. And it's just like, next week we have Mike White versus 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins. It's going to be an amazing game. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I think that it really just uh, it looks bad on this franchise that they gave Zach Wilson so much run yeah. when they had Mike White in the uh, in you know ready to go. Do you know? He he's see. been in the league for I want to say five years now. Okay, so he's going to be in his late twenties. Um, while you look that up, now. I'll keep I'll keep talking about the pass catchers here. Twenty-seven, by the way. There you go. Uh, Garrett Wilson had another top six performance, catching five of eight targets for 95 yards and two touchdowns. He feels like a lock at flex as the talent is obviously there for him. We've seen it earlier in the year with Joe Flacco. Now with Mike White, um, the common denominator is Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson not being on the field. So I I like both of those aspects uh, for Wilson moving forward. Garrett, that is. Uh, Moving on. Elijah Moore also managed to find the end zone for the first time this season, catching both of his targets, both meaning two, uh, for a total of 64 yards. He played just 35% of the snaps, making him a boom-bust flex option. Um, I would say a risky option. I mean, that's kind of in, yeah. entailed in boom-bust. We know we know uh, the talent's there, but the way that they've been using him, it's it's ton of behind the scenes stuff i'm sure and that, that's actually known yeah so i feel bad for him yeah i'm sure a lot of it has come from him not wanting to play uh, with zach wilson more than the actual coaching staff i don't know all the details i'm just saying i feel bad for him yeah are you aware of the conspiracy that he's got a uh, a a burner account on twitter oh that's similar to <laughs> that's fine by Kevin me Durant? i have heard about that that's funny yeah <laughs> i mean you're he's coming off of a very solid rookie season and then they're forcing Zach Wilson as soon as he's healthy, and then Garrett Wilson mm-hmm. is immediately the focal point of the offense, which isn't necessarily a, a problem, but it's completely phased Elijah Moore out of the offense rather than just having a one-two punch in the passing attack. So it's weird. It's weird. Do you, I'll, I'll um, ask you this. Yeah. Do you think that Zach Wilson will ever start a, a game again? I, I hope not. Yeah. And this is, I mean, well, you know what? Next time, next season, when the Patriots play the Jets, I hope they start Zach Wilson. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I, um, it'd be so funny if his last game as a starter, I'm not talking about like maybe he goes and becomes like a backup journeyman and then has to start a game because of an injury, but like a legit starter for a team. I think it'd be funny if his last press conference after his last legit starting performance for a team was whenever he says, no, I don't feel bad for the defense. That would just be, right. yeah. yeah I, we don't like him. We love him. yeah that's one way to put it um so let's talk about a few more players here um cory davis had a quiet return to game action since we last saw him all the way back in week seven he had one catch on three targets for just nine yards i would say keep him on your bench despite the fact that he nearly out snapped elijah moore two to one uh the the production was not there for him michael carter is considered day-to-day with an ankle injury it's uh classified as a low ankle sprain so not one not the more severe high ankle sprain which is good uh monitor his status <clears throat> james robinson was a healthy scratch last week uh that was an interesting trade yeah. for to acquire him considering he's done nothing um keep an eye on news moving forward regarding his involvement 
but otherwise, Zonovan Knight is the man of the hour. He made his NFL debut in Carter's absence and amassed 103 total yards from scrimmage on 17 touches. You like to see that. Um, <clears throat> despite scoring fewer fantasy points, <clears throat> excuse me, than Ty Johnson, who found the end zone on just six touches. Knight dominated in snap percentage following Carter's departure and should be the top waiver ad of this backfield. Are you looking to start him if Carter is inactive? Looking to start him might be a strong (laughs) phrase, Um, but it kind of falls along the same lines of it depends on what James Robinson, if he's active, it depends on... I think that's kind of the big contingency. Otherwise, it comes down to what else do you have at running back and flex that would leave you in a position where you would start that player. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of the challenge there. Yeah, I, I look at it. I don't feel like it seems super legit, but it's hard to just like completely overlook his involvement last week. It's just so weird if James Robinson yeah. being a healthy scratch. And their coach, Robert Sala, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know I hear a lot of people saying like potential coach of the year, what he's done with the Jets. I mean, huh. uh, what are they, seven and four? I mean, that's surprising. I don't know if he's actually in yeah. talks for that, but people have been obviously uh, praising him because of how the Jets are doing. But it is interesting that, you know, you got two players that seem to be having some... Uh, it's just, uh, Elijah Moore and James Robinson is what I'm trying to focus on. Elijah Moore is completely, for whatever reason, behind the scenes been kind of thrown to the back even though he shouldn't be and then now james robinson they trade for and he's a healthy scratch like that's weird that seems like weird management to me and then zach wilson is the prime example forcing him and still being seven and four it's weird it's weird yeah it's weird no and i would say i would say in terms of coach of the year uh i think there are several teams that are ahead of that say minnesota philadelphia miami just to name a few um those are all first-year, except for Sirianni, those are all first-year coaches um, with their franchises. So I think that's a little bit more impressive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as a Patriots fan, I kind of got to knock the Jets down every chance I get. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the Vikings next. Um, speaking of, and every time I write notes for Minnesota, it feels like the easiest team <laughs> to tell who are the players that need to be played. Yeah. Um, Kirk Cousins proved the doubters wrong with a strong showing in prime time on Thanksgiving night. Can't believe it. Um, yeah, it was it was fair. I was kind of banking on that when I picked the Patriots in that game, <laughs> um, but alas, that was not the case. Uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen both found the end zone and scored twenty plus fantasy points. T.J. Hawkinson also found the end zone, put up a respectable fifteen point three fantasy points on five receptions. Uh, Dalvin Cook is the one disappointment on this team, but chalk it up to the New England defense against running backs like we talked about earlier. Uh, better days are ahead for the six-year back who, knock on wood, has yet to miss a game this season. Well, yeah, that usually is a big struggle for him. I think what makes this offense so easy to analyze for fantasy purposes is that uh, they just they perfectly emulate like a fantasy starting lineup. They have a solid QB that's a great bye week fill-in. They, if it's not prime time, but he proved us wrong with this one. <laughs> Two, right? More often than not, arguably the wide receiver one and a very solid, albeit somewhat touchdown dependent, wide receiver two. I don't know, it might have said RB on accident. A good tight end in TJ Hawkinson now, and then a borderline elite, more likely low end RB one in Dalvin Cook. Like that just fills up your lineup yeah. right there. 
Yeah, and uh, we're both picking the Vikings, not necessarily for that reason, <coughs> uh, but I think you know there's a, there's a, every possibility that Mike White falls back down to earth yeah. and struggles a little bit against a really solid team in the Minnesota Vikings. They are at home in this one, so the three point favorites we're picking them. They, are, the they are so quietly nine and two. They really are, in my opinion. Yeah, well. You know, when your division is worthless, it's kind of, there's no reason to really pump your chest. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right, well, um, we split this matchup, so it's uh, for notes. I've got the Commanders, you've got the Giants. Let's talk about the Commanders real quick. Uh, Brian Robinson was the big winner among Washington players in fantasy last week, producing his first weekly finish inside the top 10. Good for him. 18 rushes, 105 yards, two catches on three targets for 20 yards and a touchdown. It was nice to see him get a little bit more involvement in the passing game. He's been uh, pretty non-involved in that aspect generally since he's returned to the team. Uh, Although the stat line does still prove that he's touchdown dependent, uh, if anything, I would consider this to be a sell-high opportunity if the trade deadline in your league hasn't already passed. There are some leagues... Uh, that that go beyond week 12 week 13 um, and that would be a place where i would be looking to to deal brian robinson off of this high performance what are your thoughts yeah on that? i think that's fair i think that's very fair i'm more enticed by brian robinson for his future especially if antonio gibson was to go to a different team i don't know how likely that is but mm-hmm. just his usage as uh you know you don't like for ppr that he doesn't get a lot of receptions but he consistently has high volume and rushing and he's only a rookie, yeah. and he didn't even start in week one. He literally was shot. So he hasn't even had a full season or even close to it. So it is it is enticing yeah. to see that, but I think it's more for future seasons than how I'm feeling about my fantasy playoffs this season. Yeah, certainly a good prospect in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the pass catchers here, and specifically I want to focus on Curtis Samuel. Uh, He continues to struggle. He has been targeted four times or fewer in five consecutive weeks. Uh, Weekly finishes of wide receiver 38 or worse in all but one of those weeks. He was wide receiver 14 against Minnesota in week nine. Uh, Is Curtis Samuel droppable given the tough matchup and upcoming bye week? I think he is. And I I think it it, it hurts to say that. It's, It's not... Uh, it's not common for someone to be one of the best waiver ads at the beginning of the season to then be droppable by the end of the same season, but that seems like what's happening. Because he started the season so I know, strong. And, and I think I think one of the psychological things about fantasy football is you look at his player card and he shows as wide receiver 23 on the season on a points per game basis how can you justify dropping a quote-unquote wide receiver two yeah um but when you look at the numbers especially over this last month and a half uh he's just been really difficult to roster he's been very inconsistent and uh just not someone that's really going to win you many weeks yeah i mean i see i like how sleeper does the green yellow red for like stats on kind of their proficiency and you see a lot of red mm. in the last four or five weeks in receptions and targets yeah and that's not good yeah that is not good all right <laughs> you want me to take over yeah i got the giants so saquon barkley oh and in a close game against the cowboys on thanksgiving um they got a late touchdown and then didn't get the onside kick back against the cowboys so it was a close one close divisional matchup um, but Saquon Barkley has had a combined 61 rushing yards in his last two games. 
but a rushing touchdown salvages day on Thanksgiving. You're not you're you're starting him, but this is a little concerning heading into the fantasy playoffs. I would say to see this sort yeah. of usage. Uh, it's not really su- and usage. By the way, yeah. By the way, it's another divisional matchup. So that's true. Uh, perhaps another competitive close game. Yeah, and I want to pull up who. So obviously. No, I don't want to look at the Cowboys. I want to look at the Giants. Obviously, he faced the Cowboys last week, who have a very, very good defense. I'm just trying to remember who he mm-hmm. faced in Week 11. Um, I can't even pull it up. Where is it? I don't know. Check that for me. So Week 11 was at Houston. That's one of the best oh, matchups. Oh, yeah. So that that is, that is concerning. So hopefully he can get back. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Hold on. Nope. No, I think, My you, apologies. I think you're, you're talking right. about. No, 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 no. No, Week 11, Detroit. For, for the Giants. Okay, well, that's also a good matchup. Not as good as the Texans, but still, it was disappointing. Yeah. Anyways, you're starting right. him. Just, yeah, I hope, because I have him, that he gets back on that elite form that he was at uh, previously for pretty much the entire season before these past two games. Yeah, with Barkley and ETN combined, you're, you're kind of nervous. Yeah, a little bit. Monte Stevenson's going to make me happy with this PPR floor, though. That's all I know. That's true. <laughs> Following the season-ending injury that Wandale Robinson suffered in Week 11, Richie James played in 70% of snaps, which he had not done since Week 3, and he scored a late receiving touchdown on five receptions for 41 yards. Before I ask you about him, I'm also going to talk about Darius Slayton, who led the team in receiving yards with 63 on three receptions, most of that coming from a 44-yard reception. So are you interested mm-hmm. in rostering any Giants pass catcher? uh interested i think is the wrong word i think if i was desperate enough i would roster one of these wide receivers yeah um i think it's also worth noting that uh daniel bellinger may be making his return this week um after he had that oh yeah uh, i think it was like a fractured eye socket or something um but yeah he was a player that we kind of highlighted briefly before he was injured um as a potential you know tight end sleeper but yeah no i think if you're if you're really picking between giants wide receivers you're in a bad spot and um and it's probably not your year so that's kind of where i stand on that (laughs) yeah uh this is a close one commanders are the favorite on the road but i'm gonna pick the giants yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you did, because I've been picking against the Commanders for multiple weeks, and I've always been wrong, so they are quietly 7-5. Yeah, I can't I'm gonna, believe I'm going to start giving them some props. I can't believe they're 7-5. I know. I'm, I'm going to start giving them some props, and I'm going to pick them in this one um, against the Giants, as you said. What a division. Um, a division that yeah. just two seasons ago was kind of unanimously considered the worst. Yeah, it's pretty much the exact opposite of the AFC West. <laughs> Except, you know... And, I mean, technically it is, because NFC East. Like, it doesn't get any more opposite than that. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, but that's kind of funny. AFC West, which was propped up to be the greatest division of all time, they do still have, arguably, the best team in the NFL with the Chiefs, arguably. So, you know, yeah. they are very top-heavy. But that's been disappointing, to say the least. Uh, we'll move on to Titans at Eagles. So, with the Titans. Yeah. Uh, this is your notes. I yeah, I was going to jump in, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, Titans at Eagles. Derrick Henry is the only lineup lock for Tennessee. Uh, Traylon Burks found the end zone for his first career touchdown thanks to Derrick Henry being stripped near the goal line and Burks subsequently oh, yeah, falling gosh. on the loose ball for the score. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, 
However, we've seen promising usage out of Burks in back-to-back weeks now, with a combined 181 receiving yards in that span. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Carson, is Burks a flex consideration this week, or is the matchup at Philadelphia too risky? I think Burks is a flex option this week. Um, We've seen the Eagles give up 33 to the Packers, a lot of that from Jordan Love, and uh, 16 to the Colts. That's not a whole lot, but... They're lost well, to the Commanders. They gave up 32. a lot of it from Jordan Love. It was... I'm just looking back at their no. last three games and seeing that they're giving up quite a few points, which has not been the norm for them. I got you. I got yeah. you. So, yeah, I think he is I think he's definitely in flex consideration. He's kind of he's breaking out, coming back from his injury, and I'm happy to see that from him. Yeah. Uh, me too. I think, I think he's a flex consideration, although I, I think you should... Keep in mind that that matchup, they do have one of the best secondaries, um, and it just makes you a little nervous. Yeah. If you're desperate, I think I think uh, throw them out there. Uh, on to the Eagles. Jalen Hurts did his best Justin Fields impression on Sunday Night Football, racking up 157 rushing yards on 17 carries, also finding the end zone twice through the air for a strong QB1 performance. Miles Sanders also put in a dominant performance, rushing 21 times for 143 yards and two touchdowns, with three receptions for 17 yards as he well. He was on my opponent's bench last week, and I was that was nice because that would have beat me if he played him. See, I, I wish that my opponent had had him on their bench in another league because that's what uh, wow. ultimately did that's me in last bad. week. So it goes both ways, folks. Yep. Um, and then on the last note, we kind of talked about you know, is there a chance that one of these Eagles tight ends fills the Dallas Goddard role while Goddard is on IR? And it does not appear that's the case. Uh, only one target in last week's game was intended for a tight end. Uh, the rookie Grant Calcaterra um, caught one last week. It look look elsewhere. Yeah. Um, as Goddard continues to recover, the replacement option is not on Philadelphia's roster. Yeah, and we kind of expected that, but it really proved itself last week. I think Miles Sanders proved to you that you can't really bench him, and even if A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are kind of like, eh, because the rushing game's doing super well, I think you still have to start them both. So that's really how it goes, and I'm picking the Eagles with you as my prediction for a 0-17 season for the Titans continues. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I did pick him before. I just feel like I haven't. I'm sure you did, and I think, you know, at some point, here I'll I'll go back and, and review that, yeah. but I, I I wouldn't be surprised honestly. You really you really bash on the Titans. I do. I do. You are not a believer. I'm not. All right. All right. These are your notes coming right. up. So you got cool. it. Cool. Moving on to Sunday afternoon, Dolphins at 49ers, which should be a really good one. I, that could be the game of yeah, the week. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I always pick one for that, but that's my prediction for what it could be. But I don't know. <laughs> so the Dolphins very comfortably defeated the Texans as expected. Many backups were rotated in by the end of the game, which has made snap percentage mm-hmm. kind of interesting to analyze. So I didn't really do it. Raheem Mostert was inactive in Week 12, <laughs> and Jeff Wilson averaged three yards per carry, but did score a rushing touchdown. Uh, Wilson, Jeff Wilson sustained an injury during the game, but returned before it concluded, so he probably should be good for this one. Wilson rushed for over 100 yards and scored a rushing touchdown in Week 11, while Mostert only had eight carries in that game. So are you confident that Mostert is the Dolphins running back to start, clearly? <coughs> Am I confident? No, not at all. Okay. Um, oh, well, because... I meant Wilson. I didn't even mean Mostert, so, but that says a lot about the backfield. 
Okay, right. So I would say that... So given the matchup, I would honestly probably prefer to not start either of them. Um, San Francisco has been such a, a suffocating defense over the past few weeks, and I just think that this is going to be a game where Miami has to throw uh, to get the ball down the field consistently. Yeah, so and they, that uh, it seems is a revenge to be the game. preference anyways. It is a revenge game for both of these running backs, That's funny. Um, coincidentally. Both formerly being 49ers, but yeah, I think I think if you're starting one, it probably is Jeff Wilson. But I could certainly see an argument being made for benching both of them. Yeah, I don't think that's unfair. Um, this is a pass-heavy offense. Uh, sometimes running backs have proven their value in this offense, but it's been kind of inconsistent. I mean, starting the season, you thought it was going to be Chase Edmonds. A lot of people probably didn't even right. realize that Mostert was the backup, and then he took over, and then they instantly trade for Wilson when they trade away Edmonds, and then he's kind of taken over. It's been weird. But Tyreek Hill yeah. and Jalen Waddle both scored double-digit fantasy points, but monitor Tyreek Hill as he left the game early, most likely as a precaution, um, just because the game was already completely in their control. Yeah, he's not on the injury report, so he should be completely right. good. Cool. Good for him who's really having an amazing season. I mean, higher than his ADP. Even His ADP took a little bit of a discount, changing teams from the Chiefs, but he's really proven to yeah. be elite. And I, I think this can be really good for his legacy to show that he didn't just do it on a Andy Reid offense, who I'm sure was his coach the entire time there. Um, so yeah, 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 most definitely. All right, 49ers. They had a shutout win, 0-13, to against the Saints last week. Um, so that is that suffocating defense you were mentioning. Monitor Christian yeah. McCaffrey's knee irritation, which has led to Kyle Shanahan to deem him as day-to-day. So keep an eye on that. Elijah Mitchell is expected mm-hmm. to miss six to eight weeks with another MCL sprain, the same injury that he suffered yeah, in week his, one. His, yeah. But on, opposite, on his opposite yes. knee. Um, so it's a similar yeah. timetable. I saw that you picked up, what's his name? Tyron Davis Prince. I'm kind of making that up. It's close. What, what was his <laughs> name? Tyrion Davis Price. Yeah, see? Pretty close. Yeah, see, that was a that was a very reminiscent of our dad guessing a tennis player's name. <laughs> so, I mean, you're expecting him just to be the backup and probably to kind of back oh, down yeah. on no, what at, Mitchell was kind of doing to McCaffrey like two weeks ago. Yes, at this point in the season, I am securing or have already secured my my running back handcuffs. The last thing I want is to go into the playoffs and not have my you know, not have my running back handcuff if something is to happen to the one of those guys uh, going to the playoffs. So that's all that there is about that. I, I don't expect TDP to have a lot of uh, a usage moving forward. I think he is going to, you know, be a change of pace back in this offense. But they want to keep Christian McCaffrey healthy because this team does want to make a serious push. Yeah. Uh, being seven and four, they are in serious contention in the NFC, and so yeah, it's just about insurance uh, with fantasy. Yeah. All right. So Jawan Jennings led the team in receptions and was on the receiving end of Jimmy Garoppolo's only passing touchdown. So that made for an underwhelming performance for all 49ers players. The stars, the star True. of this game really was the 49ers defense. Um, but do you mm-hmm. expect all of the 49ers regulars, so like Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, to bounce back in what should be a competitive game against the Dolphins? Yeah, I do. Um, like, like we've been mentioning, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game in general. Um, 
San Francisco may have something to say about that, but I don't really know if they have the secondary to support bottling up Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Those guys are yeah. too dynamic and explosive in their speed and their route running um, to really, I think, <clears throat> put a challenge uh, on that team. But yeah, I, I'm picking the 49ers with you. I, part of me really wants to go Miami in this one. Go for it. Uh, but I... Th- but <laughs> but I think defense wins championships, and so that's what I'm banking on here. I, I Miami is the only team outside of Minnesota to beat, uh, well, okay, the Jets, yes. Uh, but I'm talking about earlier in the season when I thought that Buffalo was pretty much just going to run the table up until at least when they played Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, Miami was the team that gave Buffalo their first loss. That's what I was trying to get out. That is true. Um, and so... Man, you know, part of me really wants to, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the team with better defense, and that's uh, San Francisco. Yeah, I agree with that. I think from an NFL performance perspective, I'm really I would be really scared of the 49ers' offensive versatility, and Jimmy Garoppolo's good enough to get it done. So even if I think two is better than him, yeah, uh, in, as far as being a game changer, Jimmy Garoppolo can is competent enough, and I do think that the 49ers' defense is better. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, this is kind of. Uh, it, it's on topic in the sense that it's f- a football question, but um, it's Jim. It's about Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you think that this season he's playing better than he was last year, or do you think it's just the addition of Christian McCaffrey um, and maybe you know the, the running back? Probably just the changes at running back that are making him look better. Or do you think he actually is playing better than last season? I think it's probably more of what was added around him. I, I mean, he's just yeah. been not throwing a ton of interceptions, had four passing yeah. touchdowns in week 11 in Mexico City, so that's great for him. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of is that guy that gets you 200-some passing yards, two right. passing touchdowns. So, I mean, he's been, I think, more efficient in the decreased interception numbers, which I don't think he's super proud yeah. of throwing a ton. But still, he's not throwing many at all. I think it is more of what's added around him. Right. More of a more of a game manager than a franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm really interested to see I think that's what fair. Trey Lance can do when he comes back with this offense. I'm excited for that. I am definitely. All right, move on to Seahawks at Rams. I'm going to go ahead and pick the Seahawks, which I cannot believe. Yeah, Aaron Donald, by the way, will not that. be playing. Oh, jeez. Yeah, Seahawks all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that that game would be an easy pick? Looking at these two teams in the beginning of the season, and this is yeah. a divisional matchup. So Geno Smith yep. has five straight games with two passing touchdowns. Someone tell Tom Brady. I think I already made that joke somewhere else in the notes, so maybe we'll get to that later. Smith has yeah, a high, high enough floor to be a very solid <laughs> bi-week fill-in and might be worth starting over an underperforming, underperforming QB. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And DK Metcalf had a season high in receptions with 11 and targets with 15, so that's amazing. And Tyler Lockett, back-to-back games with three receptions. But four straight games with a receiving touchdown. So that's what you expected. DK Metcalf was definitely the, is definitely the safer play. But Lockett still has that pretty high ceiling. So if you're feeling risky enough, throw him in. And you can hope that he can get more receptions. Because there was a point in the season where he was getting more than back-to-back games with three. Um, Kenneth Walker averaged 1.86 yards per carry. Ouch. But had two rushing touchdowns. So that's great. And he has seven straight games of double-digit fantasy scores. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Geno Smith and Lockett are kind of fringe, but both probably safely could make your lineup, and Metcalf and Walker are locks. Do you think that's fair? 
Yeah, mostly. I mean, I think I think Lockett has generally shown that he's worth starting at least as a flex yeah. this season. Um, and honestly, if anything, I think that this might be a slight downgrade for DK Metcalf just because of Jalen Ramsey. So, mm-hmm. um, which by the way, I looked at his uh, his game history and. 15 targets matched his uh, career high back in 2020. Oh, wow. So, fun fact there. That is fun. Um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that Lockett can be a starter. And, like you said, Gino can be a, a solid bi-week villain. So, uh, lots of usable fantasy assets on this roster. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the direct antithesis of that, of a team that has arguably zero <laughs> fantasy assets on their offense the Rams. So sure. Van Jefferson led the team in fantasy points. Oh, pick him up off the waivers, right? It was only 11.9. So, eh. And it was yeah. three receptions for 29 yards and a touchdown. So, <laughs> eh. I'm just going to go down the list of all these fun things. Ellen Robinson won't return this season due to a foot injury, which requires surgery. That's been a really yeah. disappointing play for me to draft him uh, where I drafted him, which was like ADP in our main league. I mean, so many analysts were saying... We're so excited about Robinson this offense. It just really did not pan out. It's disappointing. No, well, and and to be fair, I think they had every reason to be excited yeah. considering the Rams coming off of a Super Bowl win, mm-hmm. um, and now they have three wins to speak for. So uh, this is not the t- <laughs> like we talked about last week and pretty much all of the season. It's been a historic downfall uh, for the LA Rams yeah. and. Uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of hype to result in not a lot of uh, substance. Yeah, Matthew Stafford is still considered week to week with his neck injury slash concussion. Uh, Kyron Williams played seventy percent of snaps, the running back. Let me just say, while averaging three point one eight yards per carry. So I mean, they got they released Daryl Henderson. Cam Akers is yeah gotten more involved in the offense, but is being just really bad. Uh, and yeah. Kyron Williams was on the practice I, squad just to probably a month ago. So no, no. Oh, is that? Oh, that's a different no, running was, back that's on no. their offense that has yeah. Emerged you're, you're thinking of Ronnie Rivers. I am thinking of Ronnie Rivers, but yeah, yeah. A, a practice squad member no, has Kyron been Williams, in this offense, or at least you would think yes, maybe. Yes, fantasy wise. No, and and Kyron Williams was a player that I was advocating for earlier in the season. I rostered him at one point. Um, had to cut ties to to pick up handcuffs, as I mentioned. Um, but I think that he does have the most upside in this offense. And how much of his is how much upside is there truly in this offense? I'm not really sure. I'm not confident um, that he can be a fantasy asset moving forward, uh, especially as the playoffs start to roll around. So probably just a dynasty play. Um, so and, and not much else. Out of all, I didn't even mention him. Tyler Higby, who you would think could fill in a little bit better, didn't even get a target He's last week. He's a ghost. Week. Yeah, yeah. So literally. So is Kyron Williams the closest to making your starting lineup out of any Rams player? Yeah. No. If if you don't play in an IDP league, it's definitely Kyron Williams. Yeah. Uh, we're both picking the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. Rams are Here, at home. Here's your. I don't know. But, yeah, um, well, here's your next game for uh, Game of the Week contention. Oh, there you go. Chiefs at Bengals. Look at this one. A rematch of the AFC Championship? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Some playoff game. That amazing game that we all remember, <laughs> but don't remember exactly which one it was. Uh, the Chiefs. 
Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we love yep. talking about him, was placed on IR before uh, his Week 12 game, and he will return in Week 16 at the earliest, so he will be absent for yeah, a while. It, it, well, and that's your fantasy championship. Are you really going to plug in CEH for the fantasy championship? <laughs> I don't think so. We didn't even think you should plug him in Week 2 after a good Week 1 performance. So God, no. Yeah. yeah. So in CEH's absence, Isaiah Pacheco played 51% of snaps, rushing for 69 yards and a rushing touchdown on 22 carries. That's awesome. Pacheco was averaging mm-hmm. 17.6 carries per game over his last three games. Um, but on the flip side of that, Pacheco has only had one reception over that period of time. Uh, so I feel like it's a slightly better... I, I'll compare him to Brian Robinson, but I think it's slightly yeah, better because he's say. in a better offense. So Exactly, yep. So does that make him enough to make your starting lineup because of that better offense? <laughs> That's a tough question. Um, I think... I think what it really comes down to is that when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, you know this as well as anybody, that when they're at the goal line, when they're in the red zone, Patrick Mahomes starts to get real cute on how they run their offense. Yeah. Uh, shovel passes to tight ends. Uh, you can have some tackle-eligible receivers out there. And, uh, like, offensive linemen catching passes, I, sh- I mean to say. Yeah. And... Uh, so, do I really think that Isaiah Pacheco is going to consistently find the end zone, a la Jamal Williams? No. Yeah. But I think that he is a better version of Brian Robinson. And yeah. that's still a touchdown-dependent flex. Um, it just depends on, you know, what your other options are. Yeah. Um, no Chiefs wide receiver had double-digit fantasy points. Should I focus on one, or yeah. is it kind of like it's Travis Kelsey well, and Mahomes are the locks, and then Pacheco's TD dependent, and then Ju- I know, but you still you still got to consider Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah. I think, as a starting option, just because you know in this game he did play thirty eight percent of the snaps again. Um, that's not his normal. Yeah, he was averaging closer to you know about eighty five, eighty six percent of the snaps, and so. When he gets back fully reintegrated in this offense, I think he's going to return value. Um, but that's really the only player. And, you know, it is important to note that Sky Moore is starting to get a little bit more involved in the offense, but that's really more of a dynasty conversation than anything else. Um, I don't think in redraft that you're really uh, starting Sky Moore in any capacity. Yeah. No, not at all. But he is—he is kind of appearing a little bit more, more than just being a kick returner, which is what he looked like for a few <laughs> weeks of the season. Uh, we'll move on to the most of the season. Yeah, yeah, we'll move on to the Bengals. So monitor Joe Mixon's concussion, which kept him out of their Week Twelve game, uh, and in mm-hmm. his absence, Sam J. P. Ryan played in eighty percent of snaps, rushing for fifty-eight yards and a touchdown, while also having four receptions for thirty-five yards. So he did well. So a good handcuff play if you have him. If Mixon is out, I would say. Hayden Hurst had a season-high nine targets, which resulted in six receptions for 57 yards, so kind of re-emerged to be fantasy relevant, especially as a tight end, getting those double-digit points without a touchdown. That is valuable at tight end, Uh, but he was quiet for a little stretch, and uh, with Jamar Chase potentially coming back in Week 13, I don't know if this is really the time to now go back on potentially playing Hurst, but T. Higgins absolutely boomed in this game. I'll just say that. and I think that I'll I ask you how does Higgins rank rest of the season, but it doesn't really matter. You're you're starting him, 
and it's probably yeah probably he, not looking to trade him this late well if you even can yes. i mean considering most most trade deadlines have already passed but um yeah t higgins is a player that during preseason i ranked i believe inside the top 12 maybe the top 15 i was really high on t higgins now obviously jamar chase being absent has aided in that but even when jamar chase was healthy last season uh, t higgins was right there with him um in terms of production and so he's currently the tight or the wide receiver 12 on the dot um i think he's a i think he's a high-end wide receiver two a fringe wide receiver one rest of season yeah he he has been performing very well especially in week 12 yeah. this is an interesting one to pick i think i am gonna go with the chiefs but it okay. is in cincinnati so it's tough yeah and it's it is a little tough to uh to prognosticate the outcome of this one not knowing joe mixon's availability yeah. but i think with the return of jamar chase and it being a home game, I'm going to pick the Bengals in this one. Yeah, and Jamar Chase, it's likely it seems like he's returning, but that's not official, I don't believe. Yeah, it, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, so um, just keep an eye on that on his availability. For sure. But All right. that's who I'm picking. An interesting game for sure. All right, we'll move on to Chargers at Raiders. Divisional matchup. Hooray. Justin Herbert had his best fantasy <laughs> performance of the season, 274 passing yards and three passing touchdowns and a season-high 38 rushing yards. So it looked pretty good out there. Keenan Allen played in his mm-hmm. second straight game. Wow. Having five receptions on seven <laughs> targets for 49 yards and a receiving touchdown. So assuming he didn't re-injure himself, yeah, makes your lineup again. In my eyes, yeah, kind of surprisingly, because Joshua Palmer's looked like the best uh, option beyond Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, especially whenever either of them or both of them were inactive but deandre carter had a career day with seven receptions on 10 targets for 73 yards and a receiving touchdown and all the analysis i did on josh palmer just kind of what i was bringing up kind of makes me think that this carter performance is more noise are you more inclined to think that or how do you feel about it so i am just quickly going through his game log because as we talked about he has been uh he has been in the league for a surprising amount of time And uh, so either way, uh, I think when it comes to Joshua Palmer and DeAndre Carter, it's kind of like flip a coin in terms of which one's going to perform better than the other in fantasy. Yeah. Um, and I think as long as Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, one of the two, are unavailable, one of those guys is likely going to have a good game, but it's hard to predict who it's going to be. Um, I'm just saying, 22 targets for DeAndre Carter in the last four games, and uh, 35 for Palmer. So, you know how that makes me feel. No, I do, and and it's important to note that Mike Williams was there for at least one of those games. So, Carter may have been, you know, on the bubble in one of those weeks yeah. and, and, and lost out on some targets. But my point is that I think outside of Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert, you're really not rushing out to start that third or fourth option yeah. um in carter or palmer so that's kind of where i'm coming from yeah speaking of austin eckler the rb1 in ppr scoring i'm sure you're happy to have him on your roster you think if i Absolutely. said five carries for 20 rushing yards he had a bad game but no he had 11 receptions Ooh. on 15 targets for 60 receiving yards and hey, a receiving touchdown that's pretty good yeah 
Someone who had an even better game, though, was Josh Jacobs on the Raiders. Had a career performance. Yeah. Rushing for 229 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns on 33 carries, uh, while also having six receptions for 74 receiving yards. This included a 86-yard yeah. walk-off score in overtime. So that alone was like 14.6 mm-hmm. points. Um, right. So amazing day for... Yeah, quick math. Amazing day for Josh Jacobs. <laughs> He's proven to have a ceiling that only Tyreek Hill can match, I guess you could say. <laughs> An insanely high ceiling for sure for Josh Jacobs. So yeah, yeah. you're probably happy to have him. I'm sure you are. I mean, he had a stretch where after a good stretch of games, he seemed to regress a little bit, but then he does this, and he is the RB2 in PPR scoring and the RB1 in standard scoring. Who would have thought? Darren Waller yeah. will return <laughs> in week 14 at the earliest. So Foster Moreau, Blake alluded to this earlier, this analysis, but Foster Moreau has played in at 380 of a possible 386 snaps over the last week, six weeks. So that seems enticing, but he only had three receptions uh, in this in week 12. Only had three receptions for 43 yeah. yards, but one of those was a touchdown catch, so TD dependent. Um, and he in those previous <laughs> six weeks that I am also referencing, he hasn't really done a whole lot. Um, so no. we love tight end talk, but are there better options available than Moreau? You think Jordan Atkins, so I think that's a pretty low bar already. So there you go. Yeah, Jordan Akins, and then I also I also included here in the notes um, Tyler Conklin. Yeah. He's rostered in less than 20% of sleeper leagues, and as long as Zach Wilson's not throwing the ball, Tyler Conklin's been a pretty solid fantasy option at tight end. He's uh, currently the tight end 13. So yeah. I think that's an, an alternative if you're looking for a more, uh, we'll say, name brand option. Yeah, I think that's fair. Moreau is enticing because of just his snap count, and you would think that a tight end being involved that much would be good enough if you needed to put one in your lineup but we've already provided two pretty lowly rostered tight ends as better options um i'm going to pick the chargers but it's close yeah picking this game yeah it is it's a two-point spread between these with uh with la having the edge on the road i think the real thing is that with a uh with a calf um calf issue that has sprung up for josh jacobs Mm. he might be limited a little bit and especially coming off such a massive performance last week um like a 40 touch game i i have to think you know they're holding him out of practice for most of the week um to kind of you know give him that rest he clearly deserved coming into this game but i'm gonna go with the chargers as well I think, you know what? <laughs> it is close in our I, predictions, so this does this does matter. <laughs> no, it very much is. I think, I think what I'm gonna, it's just Devontae Adams is just a very unique talent as well. Um, yeah, no, I I think I think the Raiders defense is gonna hold him back in this one. I'm picking the Chargers. Okay. Move on to Sunday night football, Colts at Cowboys. How about back-to-back primetime games for the Colts? Yeah, that's interesting. I was thinking about that. That is interesting. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. They might like Jeff Saturday. They didn't used to work for ESPN, so he's got those connections. Picking the Cowboys. Yeah, I think that's fair. (laughs) I mean, disappointing loss of the Steelers last week. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but this offense is... The players that you would expect to do well are starting to do well consistently, so that is good for the Colts. 
Well, because they quit they quit screwing around with the, you know the the no name quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Jonathan Taylor has three straight games with twenty plus carries and a rushing touchdown. So hopefully he can continue with that volume for you in your fantasy playoffs. You most likely drafted him as the very first player off drafts, if not the second. I'm mm-hmm. sure he fell. I, I doubt he right. fell any further than that. Um, Matt Ryan in Week 12 only threw for 199 yards and one passing touchdown while also throwing an interception. Fortunately for my boy Michael Pittman, he caught that passing touchdown while having seven receptions for 61 yards on 11 targets. So, pretty, very good game for him. Uh, this was Pittman's pretty first. Very good. Yeah, it is. All of those adjectives and qualifiers. This was Pittman's first receiving touchdown since Week One. So that hasn't been great. He's been quieter than my liking of what I was expecting for him this season. But <laughs> but he still is yeah. solid and consistent enough just isn't really single-handedly winning me anything um and paris campbell was the only other wide receiver to register a reception uh wow and he only had two yeah i think that uh, matt, unless matt ryan starts slinging it again you really can't start campbell and Pittman is still safe enough yeah it's weird um paris campbell was a player that we were seeing consistently with Matt Ryan under center that he was performing like the team's wide receiver one. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that he won't bounce back from this performance. Yeah. Don't drop um, him. Yeah, no, and, and I think that, honestly, Dallas is not really the team to play many players against. Like, yeah. you have to start Jonathan Taylor, and you have to start Michael Pittman. Um so that kind of makes Paris Campbell a fringe flex option. Um, and, then, and then we can talk about the tight end here. Yeah, Jelani Woods, the tight end, had eight receptions for 98 yards on nine targets, which was good for the tight end two performance of the week. Um, I would venture to say that this is noise. I, feel, I figure you agree because he hadn't had yes. more than two receptions in the game this season before <laughs> this performance in week 12. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's this is a uh, this is a blip on the radar, but nothing to nothing to be alarmed by. Yeah, it is interesting though. I can't believe that Matt Ryan only threw to two receivers and then threw that many times to Jelani Woods. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the Cowboys, the heavy favorites at home, as we're both picking, as we've already said, Ezekiel Elliott played fifty-one percent of snaps, rushing for ninety-two yards and a rushing touchdown on sixteen carries, and Tony Pollard surprisingly was actually less efficient rushing for 60 yards on 18 carries, which was two more than Zeke. So that was kind of weird. That's usually the inverse of what happens. Um, I would, so I, yeah, I would say that you're probably starting Zeke just because of this touchdown upside and to see him be kind of efficient, that's enticing. So does Pollard make your lineup or is he a fringe flex with Zeke being there? It's just so weird after what he does when Zeke's not there, but <laughs> that really is the case. Yeah, no. I mean, we, we've talked about it not only this season, but all of last season as well. Um, these players, they play the same position. They eat into each other's value um, because they both have merit in the offense. But we, we both agree that Tony Pollard is the more explosive-looking player, uh, the more efficient player more often than not. Obviously, last week was a bit of a uh, an anecdotal evidence yeah. to suggest the opposite but yeah tony pollard i think is still worth flexing um you know depending on your other options but 
I think he he certainly has the talent and the upside, especially in a game where they are at home favored by more than a touchdown. There's plenty of there's going to be plenty of opportunities, it seems, uh, for points to be scored by both running backs. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'll talk about C.D. Lamb real quick. We haven't focused on too much other than the rant he went on in week one and week two, which I agreed with. But <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as bad as it. Uh, as you make it sound, but yeah. I think it was more just to warn people that you're paying a premium. It was too late, for someone though. Who has? I mean, we 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 ranked well, him pretty low in our rankings, but at the point in time we had a rant yeah. in the matchup previous video, it was too late. But like I said in the notes, <laughs> I would say CD Lamb proved yeah. us wrong by being the wide receiver seven, but it is still slightly lower than his ADP. But all that to say that Lamb has been very consistent this season, only scoring single-digit fantasy points twice this season. So you're still probably happy to have him. Yeah, and and I'm not rooting against him out of spite, <laughs> but there is a lot of there is a lot of games left to be played. So oh, I'll just wow. say that a threat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dalton Schultz. No, I, I, okay, it was just that it not to get too off topic, but it was just because you were paying for a premium. Um, you, you were paying him at his absolute peak, paying for him at his absolute peak, and that's never something that you should advocate for when drafting a player, um, especially when it's someone who's unproven generally in that role. So, Yeah, I think that, we both that's, that's looked at him as a low-end wide receiver one, and that's probably still all rank him next season. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's fair. Yeah, no, that, that and that's, yeah, and it was never like, oh, this guy's a bust or anything crazy. Yeah. Um, just like he was, it was just uh, that... He's going a bit some too rankings high might have, drafts. Some rankings might have had him slightly above Diggs, and I would have never let that happen. It was close, at least, between yeah. them. <laughs> never would have let that happen. Uh, nope, wouldn't have. Uh, Dalton Schultz caught two touchdowns on four receptions. So I have a question. Is Schultz yeah. TD dependent all of a sudden? Because usually his thing has been uh, not needing touchdowns to get double digits, and that's what's made him so valuable. No, I, I don't I don't think so. I think, honestly, you're, you're, don't get too picky when it comes to tight ends. Um, he still performed well, and prior to this, like you mentioned, he's been getting more uh, more targets and more receptions and more yards in general and less touchdowns. So, yeah, just take the good with the bad. It, and with, with Schultz, it's mostly been good. Yeah, it's been a weird season with him, with kind of injury strucken. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. You probably can't get too cute with him. Uh, we're both picking the Cowboys. 